Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 59 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am joined by Dave. Dave, what's up? How are you, Cam? Oh, man. I'm struggling today, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. Yes. So, you used a lot of brain power today, and... Yeah. Uh, yes. I, my, my, my brain is, is on like power reserve mode right now. So if I just start to mumble or just drop words from sentences, it's because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, but it's okay. I'm here. I'm present. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to give episode 59 all she's got. Me too. We're recording on a Monday, too, so I wonder if that's why we're both a little lethargic. We both had rather busy weekends, so. Yes. But I'm sure our listeners don't care at all about that, <laughs> so let's move on. Is there anything that we need to cover before we jump into the scriptures? I don't have any follow-up. Do you have any follow-up? No. I don't have any follow-up. That's really sad. Yes. So please get a hold of us so we can have follow-up for future episodes. Where can our listeners follow up with us, Dave? Ah, they can follow up with us um, on Twitter. You can reach Cam at Cam Brennan. And you reach me at 108HBO. You can also reach out to us uh, via email. And that is hello at supermegacorp.net. Correct. Hey. <laughs> three for three. All three right. Things three. are looking up, Dave. This All is right. good. And then you can see us at uh, supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash five nine for show notes. And I believe they can post comments or questions yeah. there as well. So Yeah, no one's left to comment on a post in a long time. You could be the one to break that spell, dear listener. Oh, <laughs> handsome, beautiful one that you are. I don't know. I'm trying to suck up, and I think it just got <laughs> awkward. So, in order to keep our subscribers, I think it's time that we talk about the Bible, Dave. What do you say? We can certainly do that. So we're at Matthew twenty or no, Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. And it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? All right. I feel like we're going to have to put our smarty pants caps on for this one. Yes. Because there's... Um... Well, there's a lot of seeming, uh, not, no, I was gonna say contradictions. That's not the right term, but like dichotomies here, mm-hmm. one or the other, and they don't right. always seem to make sense. So, all right, let's start with the first twenty-four. Then, uh, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. All right, so deny yourself. Let's start there. Um, what? Why? How? Um, Please explain. What, why, why do we have to deny ourselves to follow Jesus? That seems rather counter to what our culture tells us to do. Well, it is certainly very counter to what our culture tells us to do. Our culture is very much um, all about um, striving for success, uh, 
being happy, um, having material possessions, and that is not the example that Jesus uh, set for us. And so he tells us that uh, we have to deny ourselves. And this is one of those things that I will say for me personally, I think I kind of go, well, it, it it's a, I don't think it's as complicated as I want to make it type of thing. But I also don't think I take it seriously enough. And so on one hand, I want to make it this really complicated, uh, holier than thou sort of thing that you have to do when it's really not that. But it's, I think there's, I'll put it to you this way. It's like this mystical sort of ideal that we're supposed to strive for. And I think this is a lot more practical thing uh, than what we make it. And it is something that we're actually supposed to do uh, versus kind of holding it out there as, oh, it's this ideal that I'm supposed to strive for that I'll never, I'll never be able to do it. And probably not, um, there's a lot more smaller practical things that probably all of us could be doing to die to self, uh, that goes much, that are, that are much simpler, much more mundane, ordinary than dying on a cross, but yet it's kind of the extreme that we take it to. So I don't know if that's making any sense at all or not of, um, I don't know that I'm articulating the ideal that I hold it up to when it's very much more a a day-in, day-out practical thing that we could be doing, and yet I don't do it. Um, Make sense or not so much? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, to tag on your last point there, like the, I don't think it's my nature to want to deny myself or to enjoy denying myself. Because, well, I want things mm-hmm. and purposefully not giving them to myself or partaking in the, like whatever it is that, that I want to experience. The act of denying yourself those things is not easy, especially when you have a you know, lifetime of not denying yourself certain things. So, like, I mean, something as simple as a diet, like if we want to totally despiritualize this whole thing, right? Denying yourself pizza, beer, ice cream, you know, the things that taste delicious but are not going to help you achieve the end goal, mm-hmm. you have to draw a line somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I find it interesting that you know so like a diet is very cut and dry eat good food and drink good liquids deny yourself bad food and bad liquids even though they taste a lot better than the good stuff right but it's very easy it's it's do this don't do that eat this don't eat that go for a walk don't sit on your butt on the couch all day you know, simple things, and you can lose weight if you do those things. That's, you know, something that some of us need to do, like me. <laughs> and me. 
Um, but again, it's not deny yourself food. It's deny, deny yourself the bad kinds of food, right? So it's, it's not just don't eat. That's stupid. That's, that's something that, you know, people need to go seek help about, right? right. But here, it's not like Jesus is saying, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Oreos. It's no, let him deny himself. Like, and that, that I think is where I get uh, curious. Like, how, how, how do I deny myself? Like, what, what, how does that work? What does that mean? That seems like such a open-ended blanket. And, and maybe I'm trying to make it more difficult than it is, like, like you had mentioned. But so does that mean that I deny myself everything that I want? Does that mean that I deny myself in the sense that I exist? So I just don't exist. Like how, like how, how far do you take that? How do you interpret it? You know, that that's kind of where I'm coming from is, okay, deny myself. There's a number of ways that we can read into that. And I don't know what we're supposed to do. Well, and that's, you know, I guess that's kind of where, you know, if I, I read this, I could take it to the extreme asceticism of just, I'm going to, you know, only eat uh, the bare minimum of what I need to survive. And I'm going to wear a sackcloth and I'm not, you know, I'm only going to give myself the very bare minimum of of what I need to live. So there I'm going to, I'm going to deny myself and I'll just take a very, you know, practical application is um, sharing my faith with others. When I don't share my faith with others, and I feel like I should, or there's an opportunity to do it, my motivation behind not doing that is generally something about what they're going to think of me versus am I glorifying God? And so to me, that is a very concrete example of I am not denying myself and allowing Christ to come through in my life. I am choosing to avoid embarrassment or people not liking me or or whatever it is that I think in my mind is going to happen if I share Jesus with somebody um, versus truly living for his glory and the truth of his gospel and sharing that with others. and and really for me, so much of dying to myself is about being inconvenienced. You know, I'm not day in day out. I don't think I'm giving up a whole lot when I think about what it means for me to to deny myself. Um, and yet I still don't do it. It's there. It's very trivial, stupid reasons why I don't. Selfish, sinful things. So. All right. So. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is not exactly um, billboard material (laughs) or how you build a following, right? If you want to attract people and be an attractional, seeker-friendly savior, right? So... what? Maybe we should back up. What what does taking up your cross mean? Well, that... um... 
I, I this was like when I was reading this this time. I I wondered a little bit if did Jesus really say cross the first time when he was telling this to his disciples, or did his disciples put cross in there uh, after knowing that Jesus died on the cross? Which I don't know that it really matters. Maybe it does, but um, I and I didn't do the research on this, but the thought that I had was. Did Jesus really ever talk about the cross much prior to him being crucified? And never this blatantly. Yeah. And so so to me there's there's kind of this element of there's some foreshadowing going on. And if he did say pick bear your cross, I, I uh crucifixion, being hung on on a cross, uh in the Roman Empire, uh was common. So for somebody to, to talk about bearing your cross, they would understand um, that particular, um, you know, that it was um, capital punishment. I mean, it was, it was death. It was um, how uh, the state of their day um, punished the worst of the worst. So to be crucified was known to them, and it was um, it was the death of a bad person. You didn't just get crucified for any old reason. It was well, and I guess for that matter, there might have been some crucifixions of Christians going on because they could after Jesus and all that. But um, so as we know from the Bible story, which people are probably more familiar with, uh, the person who was going to be crucified did carry their cross. And so the cross that you were going to be hung on was a large piece of wood, a heavy piece of wood uh, that you would have been expected to carry uh, to your crucifixion. And as we know with Jesus, he actually ended up collapsing uh, because he was so exhausted and had been beaten so much. And so. Um, to bear a cross, I probably carried more weight to Jesus' followers because they understood what um, the actual physical implications of that were. Um, one of the things that I would say is avoiding the, well, that's my cross to bear kind of a comment, uh, because that's not what it means. <laughs> so. Um, you know, whatever your uh, burden in life is, it doesn't rise to the occasion of bearing a cross. That's not your cross to bear. Um, it truly means going to your death, going, going to your execution, and carrying that burden on your way there. Thoughts? Um. I have them. I'm trying to <laughs> sort them out. Uh, see, all right. So if we take the whole, or this whole sentence, right? If anyone would come after me. So he's assuming, not assuming. He's telling his disciples who up to this point have followed him around and seen all the stuff that he's done and, and been with him and all mm -hmm. of that. And it seems odd to me that they've been with him for so long now, and he's still trying to explain to them what it means to follow him. And 
at this point, you know, maybe his, his eyes are turning towards the end. Um, but he's explain, you know, he, he explains to them, if you, if you are going to continue to follow me, right, you have to deny yourself, you have to take up your cross and follow me. And I almost kind of wonder if like to the end should be there or is implied, right. With, with the cross in mind. And, uh, too often in in my experience and in my observation of the American church, this sort of difficulty is completely swept under the rug when it comes to Jesus and being a Christian. And too often we try and sugarcoat the, oh, God is love and Jesus is love and just be nice and be a good person and you're doing what God wants you to do. And it is not the case when you look at passages like this where Jesus is telling us to deny ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Not not just the things that we like, but to deny ourselves for his sake. Mm-hmm. And that right there is crazy. If you think about what that entails, right? And I know that I don't do that. Right. At all. I indulge quite a bit in relaxation, luxury, things that I enjoy, right? I mean, I have a $350 watch on my wrist. Technically, it's a computer. But to me, it's a very practical example of I did not deny. I don't need it. It doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't bring me closer to God. It's a complete luxury item, right? Mm -hmm. I indulged myself in the fact that, hey, I can afford that. And I want it. So I'm going to get it, right? It's a total luxury item. And if you apply that same sort of filter to who your friends are, how you spend your, your free time, uh, what you spend your money on, what you watch on TV, all of that sort of stuff. It is, it, it, at least in my life, becomes very Dallas Willard's presentation of the gospel in most of his books comes to mind. But other than that, like not many sermons, not many. Like, it's, it, it's not feel good. So it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And I think that's, we're doing a lot of people a disservice by giving an unbalanced look at yay super happy jesus versus this is he calls us to really change everything about how we live mm-hmm. and that kind of scares me cuz i don't do that and what if i think i lived a good life and i went to church and i worked for the church and i got a master's degree in the bible and i had a podcast about the bible and then i get to heaven and he's like sorry i didn't know you that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, I, you know, not only, uh, I always want to say we, and I probably shouldn't speak for other people, but not only do I not deny myself things, but I think about much about of the prayer that I ask. So I've got what I've got, and then when I go before God, what are my prayers about? Make me comfortable, make me happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know... um. And and make the people that I love comfortable and make them happy. You know, it's so, you know, there's 
not only do I not deny it, but then when I go to him, there is this element of my prayers are so focused on me and what I want and material things. And, um, you know, again, when, when, when I say those sorts of things, it's not necessarily, I want more stuff, but it's, you know, it's not about drawing nearer to him, drawing closer to him and denying ourselves and for him to be glorified. It's make us happy, make us safe. Um, you know, let my daughter go to a good college, let my kids have good friends that influence them positively. And, you know, not what are you teaching us in the, in the things that are difficult and that are hard and probably should be more aware of that and more in tune to that. Because like you said, um, it's, uh, it is, it is frightening when you think about the things that Jesus said and taught and what those applications really mean and where we're at in our affluent American culture. Yeah. I think that there's just, even in that one verse, there is a, just a lot to consider a lot to work through in each of our lives and just have an honest look in the mirror with yourself and, you know, peel back all of the makeup that we used to cover, you know, ourselves with to the public eye and, and really consider for yourself how, how you stack up against what Jesus calls you to do. You know, you may not like what you see. Yeah. Well, and that's, and again, I, I, God is a good God and there's natural blessing that comes from following him. But just even when you talk about our gifts and how we're wired and, and those sorts of things, our motivation so comes from, well, I want to be fulfilled, not I want to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that if we are better, more intentional about seeking him and glorifying him, he is going to bless us. That's the kind of God he is. But it's just this, hey, get, get me first and not you. Uh, because ultimately we're going to be blessed the way he designed us to be blessed and a blessing beyond what we can comprehend versus what it is we think we want, uh, because the things that we want really do fall short of what ultimately God is able to give us. So I guess sort of a little, <laughs> you'll, you'll come out ahead in the long run if you <laughs> put Jesus first. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next equally simple verse. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There, now we're at the dichotomy I was talking about earlier. That seems kind of weird. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What what is he saying there, Dave? How do we how do we say that in normal people English? Uh, I I don't know that I have the answer for that, but I I do know that my my first inclination to come to this is to think about you know whoever um, would save his life will lose it, whatever loses life for my sake will will find it. That to me, there's this eternal kind of a thing of. 
uh, you know, suffering through this life here on earth, um, doing what I got to do to get by, to get to heaven. And then that's where my life will really come from is when I die and I go to heaven. And I don't believe that that's what he is. He's talking about in this situation. I think it is truly a, uh, the kingdom of heaven is here and now, and it's not about just getting through this life to experience heaven, but that we can have the life that he intends us to have in this life. And while he uses strong words for uh, losing our life, uh, we'll find it. Uh, I think what is going on here is that the life that he would have us live in this world is infinitely better, infinitely more satisfying than we would, what we would have would ever design for ourselves. Uh, that if we just trust him and allow him to be glorified, uh, we will truly just experience uh, just the best possible aspect of this life. And again, that goes far beyond um, wealth and possessions and uh, the things that we would normally hold up as uh, being what it is that we should uh, strive for, being successful, having a good name, having a title, um, accomplishments. Um, And again, I don't think there's anything inherently evil in those, but they're chaff if it's all in our effort and not for him. Yeah, there's just so much about what he calls us to that is just so counterintuitive to what the world tells us. And it's just, it amazes me how much I struggle with the two. Like, I know that he's right, but the world makes him compelling, (laughs) you know counterpoints and the fact that I am still caught in the middle is frustrating is uh, disheartening you know uh, it's it's just it it just it isn't fun to be stuck in the middle and being unwilling to do what I need to do to do what I know is right, you know? And that's just, like, I feel like I'm letting myself down, you know, um, by not being disciplined, by acting like a child when it comes to, but I want it my way (laughs) and I want to be in control and I want to feel good and, you know, I want to do it. I want to try and save my life, right? I, you know, I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And gosh darn it, people like me, Dave. <laughs> but it's just, it is very frustrating to be intelligent enough to know what the truth is, but be stupid enough to think that I can do it a different way. Mm-hmm. That is no fun. Yes. I would agree with you in that. And yeah. it's and the thing I, I think that's just so frustrating is that whole, I want to do what's right. Like, you know, that 
in my head, thinking about it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the things that I need to do tomorrow to be disciplined and to seek him and to, to, you know, eat well and love well and live well and do all the things that I think I'm supposed to do. But I just don't have the ability <laughs> to do that. So. Well, good thing we're not in charge, I guess. I suppose. All right. Up next, Dave. Yes. I suppose that's uh, that's verse 26, yeah. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? It's a very good question. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Also a good question. Let's handle the first one first, since we like to do things in an orderly fashion here. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits its soul, Dave? You know, this is, uh, again... I, there's little things that, that roll around through my brain when we, when we hit these. And I would venture to say there are probably a whole lot of people in this world that would say, I'll gladly forfeit my soul uh, to gain the world. What That seems like a fair trade. I Yeah, I'll, absolutely I'll do that. Um, and I know it was a joke, but I think people have tried to sell their soul on eBay and, <laughs> you know... Uh, things like that. And um, I I think one of the, the things that's going on there is just um, we've lost sight of the fact that we are, um, there's more to us than the physical uh, who we are. You know, SOS is not save our ship. It's actually save our souls. And it's gotten lost over time. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to be incredibly profound here, but I just, I think it, it, it we've lost this sense of our soul has value, uh, that our soul is an eternal, is, is the eternal piece of us uh, that, d- that just doesn't stop existing when we die. Uh, we have an eternal uh, destiny. Our soul is going to go somewhere, and I think that's just been lost. And so... Um, is it Toby Mac that sings that song or DC talk or there's a Christian song that's out there about gaining the whole world and, and losing our soul. I'll have to find it so we can put it in the show notes, but yeah, I don't know. I, and it's not a song I listen to or anything like that. Sure. But Dave. Sure. That's why I don't, I can't think who it is. <laughs> um, not that I'm <laughs> opposed to listening to Christian music, but it is one of those songs that like when I do hear it and he talks about, um, gaining the world and losing our soul. It's just like kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's like, wow, um, I've gained a very small percentage of the world. And it seems like based on my behavior and my action, I'm willing to give up my soul for even less (laughs) than the whole world. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way before. Yeah. And so, um, Yeah, I don't think it does profit us uh, because we are eternal beings and we ultimately have an eternal destination. And um, Well, yeah, if you think about, I mean, like the definition of profit, that's when you balance your earnings and your expenses, profit mm-hmm. is what's left over if it's above zero, right? Yeah. And if you're going to gain the whole world but forfeit your soul what Jesus is saying here is that your soul is worth more than whatever the world contains 
whatever you whatever can be earned in the world, your soul your soul has more value. So at the end of the day, if you gain the whole world, but in order to gain that, you forfeit your soul, you come out in the red. Mm-hmm. You are below you are below zero. You cannot regain what you've given up. Yeah. Which is a bad business venture. <laughs> and if we can put it in terms that everyone is going to understand, you cannot live in the negative. And when it comes to your very existence, that is even more so the case, right? Mm-hmm. So what will it profit you if you gain the entire world, but you forward something that's more valuable? Exactly. It's not going to profit you anything. You are going to be in the hole, figuratively, literally, spiritually, right? You're yeah. done for. And then the next question it almost seems to be rhetorical at this point, like, what are you going to give in return for your soul? What what has enough? What what has equal or more value than your soul that you can trade for? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. So don't be an idiot, and don't give up the most valuable thing that you have. Mm-hmm. And what also is interesting about this is so is, is Jesus is saying, don't give up your soul, don't forfeit it, don't don't. Re- trade it for anything else. But he also says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he's, he's almost saying, not almost, I, I believe he is saying, if you're going to trade anything, trade this life for mine. Yeah. Because mine is the only thing that has more value than yours. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's as if he's placing what the world can offer you, the entire world on one side of the scale, and your soul and his on the other. And he's saying, my side's always going to outweigh whatever the world can throw at mm-hmm. you. So do what you need to do now to be on that side, to be on my side. Because when the time comes, you want to be in the green and not in the red. Yes. And that's that's kind of a ballsy statement if I can say that about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Not, you know, be crass or sacrilegious, but I mean he's essentially calling everyone to the carpet and says, Here are your options. Do this or do that. This is a fool's errand. This is a guaranteed mm-hmm. success. Why would you trade your best and only asset, your very eternal soul, for garbage? Right when you can have eternity with me. And then, but he, he also says that, you know, getting eternity with me is, is the hard road, right? Deny yourself, carry your cross, follow me to the finish line, or go to Candyland and, you know, rot yourself from the inside out. Yes. You know, and when I say it like that, it seems like, oh, I'm just going to follow Jesus because mm-hmm. it makes if you believe what the Bible says is true, it makes all the sense in the world to follow Jesus until you actually have to do it. Right. And you're like, oh, I'm tired and my back hurts and 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 I don't want to serve homeless people because they're scary. And like you just come up with, I'm too busy doing, you know, other things. But it's okay. I lead my Bible study and I serve at VBS in the summer. So it, it all works out. Yeah. Yeah, we hang out with other Christians where it's safe, and we talk about 
God and spirituality and salvation and those sorts of things when it's convenient. And it's a whole different thing to do it at work, at school, maybe even with some of your, somebody that you're related to, you know, it, it's, uh, and you know, it's just, I, 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 there's part of me that just kind of like faith is faith and you have to believe what you're going to believe. And there's different ways that our faith is reaffirmed for all of us. And there is this piece of me that kind of goes, you know, talking about Jesus has this awkwardness that talking about anybody else doesn't seem to carry with it. That I'm kind of like, makes me go, there's probably something to it when it carries this sort of, uh, you know, just tension, uh, uh, you know, about mm-hmm. talking about Jesus or Christianity versus a lot of almost anything. I mean, it's everything is free game anymore, it seems like. So I did, I saw something the other day where uh, maybe my wife put it on Facebook. I can't remember where the mom's uh, pet owners, the moms of dogs and cats should be recognized as, as real moms. Are yeah, you, this are is you, you're serious. Yeah, this is like the latest thing that I saw here around Mother's Day was we we can't discriminate between yes we can moms, they're not humans moms who have human children and moms who have oh this fur is what's babies. wrong with the world uh, this is what's wrong with the world, with the world. we you know, can't discriminate oh my it's not <laughs> discrimination it's not <laughs> so you know did and- you birth the cat. Did you nurse it and rear it and raise it to life? No, you bought it at a shelter for twenty dollars. But you care for it and you love it, and it's a cat. It is not a person. <laughs> and guess what? I'm married to a cat lady, so I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Yeah. But it is not the same. Well, it's ridiculous. It, but That's it goes, ridiculous. But it goes back to I think what we're talking about: denying ourselves is, and we've talked about this before. Is it's an individual's rights, you know? We've elevated individual rights to such a level that absurdity... Well, and rights in super, super heavy air quotes. Rights? It's not individual rights, it's individual wants. It's, I mean... But where's... And that's the thing, where's the line, though? Oh, because, the line has been so blown up in the right. last 50 years. I, I would say in the last... A couple hundred years, probably. <laughs> but No, I would say in the last few years. I mean, things that just didn't used to fly are suddenly uh, the headlines in the news and people are quickly jumping to defend things that they wouldn't have not that long ago. All in the name of tolerance. Tolerance and, and again, individual but a rights. Very, the rights of a the, very skewed definition of tolerance. Who, who are you to say that? Because it's okay. you're tolerant... If you accept everything but Christianity. Yeah, exactly. Even the tolerant folks aren't tolerant. No. But so I, what anyway. do I know? And I have to remind myself as, as we're sitting here talking about denying ourselves and um, how easy it is to do one thing and then another. Um, I'm encouraged that the uh, the Word of God, the Bible... Uh, prevents or presents the human beings in the story of the Bible as the human beings that they are. And ten chapters from now, in Matthew, Peter is going to deny Jesus three times, and it's yeah, 
That's that's nice to know. You know <laughs> that there's something about our nature and our sinfulness that uh, God gets it better than we do. Uh, but it's not an excuse to give up. Yeah, every time I... I shouldn't say every time. In hindsight, when I recall times where I've been fed up with other people, I just wonder, how is God not that way every <laughs> single second of every single day? With all of us. With, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, yes. And then uh, the other verse that's just been coming to my mind the whole time is Philippians 2 which I would encourage people to read, well, the entire book of Philippians, in particular, Philippians 2. Um, But I'll start with verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that's, I'm not going to even begin to dissect that, but that's one of those verses, verse set of verses that I'm just like, oh boy. Jesus, Jesus did exactly what he calls us to do. Yeah, that's that's the uh, the pesky thing about him. <laughs> he can't really poke holes in no. his entire existence. So yeah, Philippians two four through seven. Yeah, that's that's one of those passages too that like every time you read it, you're just like, okay, don't don't weep openly in public, please, because <laughs> <laughs> just you know, it's a it's an incredibly well written piece of literature first of all mm-hmm. then secondarily you get to what it's actually talking about and it to use a a overly used phrase blows your mind <laughs> if you actually think about right the whole what it's saying and what it means and and all of that so yes i think that is a good verse and a good idea and a good reminder for us to finish on sounds good So I guess uh, we will be back next time. Take care. See you.